Let us pray. Father, all of faith hinges upon the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, there is no point, and we are all fools. But thanks be to God for the verifiable truth of the resurrection of Jesus and how that resurrection has been multiplied throughout the generations by the power of your Holy Spirit. And in that same power today, God, we pray that we might hear what it is you have for us to hear this day. That we, as an American church, have our hearts prepared for your truth and your grace and a willingness to change our own course for the sake of our nation and for the kingdom of God. So be with us now. These things I ask and I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. This All Saints Day is not like other All Saints Sundays. And though I had many wonderful, restful, prayer-filled weeks away from the pulpit and my responsibilities as your senior pastor, I want you to know that I've really struggled in the development of today's sermon, probably because I've got like six weeks worth of stuff to say. <laughs> we as a church, as a nation, and as a world are in a storm in which none of us have ever navigated. And while the COVID-19 pandemic has and is wreaking havoc upon our world, I think it has been particularly damaging to our nation. You see, the United States leads the world in the number of COVID-related deaths, which is currently over 230,000 of our countrymen and women. Now, just think about that for a moment. And I want you to let the number sink in. By the way, when I made this PowerPoint, it was over 225. Now it was 230 this morning. Have any of your loved ones died as a result of COVID-19? Now consider this. Whether someone has died this year from COVID-19 or for any other reason, what is the same for all who grieve the death of a loved one is this. How we grieve has changed. We are unable to grieve in community. We are unable to support in community. Many of us were not or are not even able to gather with our families when someone dies. And... There is more death and more fractured grieving on the horizon. COVID-19 has done far more damage to our nation, though, than interrupting the grief process. This pandemic has further fractured our already divided nation. It has made visible the grotesque underbelly of hatred that exists within our citizenry. Citizens of every age, gender, race, sexual orientation, class, and political party have given themselves over to hate and thus 
are hating one another. I think people are exhausted. I think people are exhausted. Tired from political rhetoric, social unrest, tired of the new way of life that has all of us had to adopt in order to mitigate the risk of spreading COVID-19. I think we're tired. You know what else I think? I think we are fearful. Fearful of what the virus may or may not do. Fearful of how people are going to respond to the presidential election results this Tuesday. Fearful that you'll never get to spend another Thanksgiving or Christmas with your family. And if that doesn't describe any of you, it does describe me. I also think many people are angry. So angry, in fact, that love has grown cold among us as a nation. We Americans have become so tribal in our political allegiances that it seems almost impossible to be courteous to a friend or a neighbor or a colleague with whom we might deign to disagree. Moreover, courtesy and respect are no longer being modeled by our leaders. And big media, <laughs> big media only appears to be stoking the fires of fear, anger, and division because, face it, it makes a lot of money. In short, it appears as though the United States of America may be imploding. That's why I say this All Saints Day is not like other All Saints Day. Sundays. If I were to try and describe the current climate of our present circumstances in one word, it would be chaotic. Chaotic means to be in a state of complete confusion and disorder. Does that fit our circumstances, y'all? Are we being constantly bombarded with versions of the truth so that we don't actually know what the truth is? Does order or disorder seem to be winning the day? Brothers and sisters, right now, the world, and especially our nation, is in chaos. So I see a storm. We, the Church of Jesus Christ, are standing in a boat in the middle of a storm in which none of us have ever navigated. We are scared. We are confused. We are angry. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like Jesus has any interest in the storm raging around us. But that's not true. Jesus is very interested in what is happening with us, both individually and as a body. Do you remember in Mark's gospel where the chaos of the wind and the waves were threatening to sink the disciples' boat? Hurricane force winds and waves, they're, they're battering the boat. And in the stern, Jesus is asleep. Everyone else is completely losing their minds and Jesus, he's asleep. The disciples were scared, they were confused, and they were angry. Sound familiar? The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why was Jesus rebuking them? Did he not care? Was he just upset because his nap got interrupted? Well, maybe, but probably not likely. You see, Jesus created the wind and the waves. Jesus created the universe and he ordered it. He was asleep because he knew no physical harm would befall his disciples. But notice this, because this, this is very, very important. The moment, the moment, the moment Jesus' disciples called out his name and said, Jesus, we are scared and we are confused and we are angry, Jesus immediately calmed the storm. He didn't stand up and fuss at them first. He got up and immediately calmed the storm. I see in that lesson a metaphor for the state of the American church. Please hear me when I say that the story of Jesus calming the wind and the waves with his voice is a true story. It's not a metaphor or an allegory. It's a true story. Not a metaphor for something else. But in it, right now, I'm saying I see in this story an allegory for our nation and the current state of the American church. So let me quickly unpack this metaphor or allegory, if you will. The American church, the American church is the boat. Our nation and her citizens are the waters. The pandemic, the confusion, the anger, the conspiracy theories, the media bias on both sides of the political divide, the lack of love and civility, and so much more. That is the storm. That is the storm. Friends, I share you with you today because the American church has, by and large, given herself over to the gods of politics, the gods of division, and the gods of hatred. If it were not true, then our country's citizens would be doing a better job of loving one another because of the love that was pouring out from the church of Jesus Christ in America. But it is not, and that is not the case When I see political signs making disparaging remarks and underneath the sign is a white wooden cross, I know we, the American church, have failed to embody the only commandment Jesus ever gave us. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen, y'all, this isn't the new suggestion. It's the new commandment. It's the only commandment. There's 613 laws, all sorts of commandments in the Hebrew Scriptures. But Jesus, He just gave us the one to follow, y'all. Love one another as I have loved you. See, the American church, we are standing in the boat and we are shouting at the storm to calm the waters. A storm can't calm a storm. Joining our voices to the storm is not going to calm any waters. Why would we unite our voices with anything that isn't Jesus? Y'all, we got Jesus in the boat with us. It's time to wake up the Lord. It is time to wake up the Lord. It's time to wake up Jesus. And guess what he's going to tell us when we wake him up? 
love one another. As I have loved you, from the cross to the grave to the sky, love one another. Jesus never, ever, 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 ever said love one another as each one of you thinks is best. He said, love one another as I have loved you. That's it. That's the only commandment. And I'm glad he only gave us this one because clearly it ain't easy to accomplish. And listen, I am a member of the American church. I am failing to love as Jesus loves. Methodists, Baptists, Roman Catholics, non-denoms, whatever your persuasion, we all need to wake up Jesus in our boat. So Randy... What does any of this have to do with All Saints or today's scripture lesson? Well, I'm glad you asked. In in today's lesson, we're introduced to a view of our saints. Not just those Christians who have died this year, but all of those who've gone on before us. An elderly apostle, John, who is writing to us from a vision he is having while he's exiled on Patmos, writes that he's asked by an elder in heaven, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? John answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now y'all listen, tribulation means an experience of suffering, distress, affliction, trouble, or persecution. Listen, look here. We need to acknowledge that we are undergoing a tribulation right now. We need to acknowledge that. Earlier, I referred to our present circumstances as chaotic, but in biblical terms, we're in what's known as a tribulation. I don't think this is the great tribulation, but it's definitely a sizable one. It's a sizable tribulation. People all over the world are suffering and in distress. Many are afflicted in one way or another. There is trouble. There is a lot of trouble. There's probably going to be even more trouble as this Tuesday comes to an end. And persecution, well, persecution comes in many forms, right? I don't know that the American church will ever undergo the same types of persecution that our brothers and sisters from other nations have and are enduring. But our fair share is coming if I understand the biblical timeline correctly. Listen, I believe in Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I put my trust in Him. He has given me a robe and He is washing me white with His blood from His love. I didn't do anything to earn Jesus' love. I simply accepted it. I put my whole trust in Jesus' grace. And when I made that decision, I stopped putting my trust in anything else. I don't put my trust in a politician. I don't put my trust in a political party. I don't even put my trust in this beautiful nation of which I am privileged to be a citizen. I believe in the resurrection and the life. 
My United States citizenship does not offer me eternal life. My citizenship in God's kingdom does that. My citizenship in God's kingdom does that. I believe, I believe that I will see everyone again that I have ever loved that love Jesus. And that includes my grandmother who died this year from COVID-19 and all of those who've gone on before me. But you know what I'm really looking forward to seeing? You know what I'm really, really looking forward to seeing? I'm looking forward to seeing and worshiping with all those other people who think differently and look differently than me. I'm looking forward to being surprised when I see certain people in heaven. How'd you get here? Better yet, I'm looking forward to seeing the surprise on some people's faces when they see me. (laughs) John writes in his vision. He said, after this I looked and, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And if John were here today, he might say, I even saw Democrats and Republicans. Listen. Christians from every nation and every subgroup of people Every subgroup of people, including people we don't like or we don't think belong in heaven, they're going to be there. John saw a beautifully diverse group of people bearing the image of God with a mark of the Lamb upon their heads. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to Jesus. Salvation can be found nowhere else, including and especially the principalities of this world. And when we put our trust in Jesus, we learn. We learn. How to follow his only command, love others as he has loved us. Here's the thing. Are you ready? Here's the thing. Your salvation is not dependent upon whether or not you love others as Jesus has loved you. That's the point of grace. Your salvation is not dependent upon whether or not you love others as Jesus loves you. Are you ready? The salvation of others is dependent upon whether or not you love them as Jesus loves you. Today, right now, at this very moment, a heavenly choir of saints filled with our loved ones and a whole bunch of people that don't look, think, or act like us except that they follow Jesus right now. Right now they are singing, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to be our God forever and ever. Amen. 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 Oh, these saints are singing. They are singing right now. They are singing right now because some follower of Jesus somewhere loved them enough to love them like Jesus. Without judgment, without harsh criticism, without gossip, without slander, just as they are and not as they ought to be. 
Your salvation is not dependent upon whether or not you love others as Jesus has loved you. Their salvation is dependent upon whether or not we are loving them as Jesus loves us. Check out the next picture. Well, it could be the pastor right now, but listen. This is not the way to win people to Jesus. That ain't it, right? But that's what the world sees, at least in our nation, when they think of us. See, I don't know what's going to become of our great republic, these United States of America. But I do know that right now the American church, you know, all the Methabaptists, Presbyterian Catholics, you know, Episcopalians, Lutherans, you name them, you know, the, the American church. I know that right now, if all of us who follow Jesus will quit joining our voices with the storm and start calling out for Jesus to wake up in our boats, then he will help us to love others as he has loved us. And if, if, if enough of us, y'all listen, if enough of us in the American church will stop yelling and start loving, we might be able to heal our nation and love others into the, God, into the kingdom of God. We might be able to do it. If enough of us do it. But... Even if we can't bring healing to our nation, we can bring others into the kingdom of God. Right now, right now, the saints are singing to God and praying for us. You have intercessors in heaven right now praying for us here. And one day, when God has finished his redeeming work, we will all be joining together and singing the hallelujah chorus. And I pray, oh, I pray, because I don't think any other nation has done more for planet Earth than our nation. So I pray, I pray that the section of God's choir that is reserved for the American church, I pray that section is just full of our countrymen and our countrywomen. But it won't be if we don't wake up Jesus and resume loving others as he has loved us. Tuesday's coming, y'all. Love, 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 love. Love. Okay? Because Wednesday's, Wednesday's going to be worse. Love. Love. Please love. And this is the word of God seriously considered this day for the American church and the Church of Christ community and for all the saints. Amen. Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name's Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know, or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr., and shoot me a message. You can also email me at pastorrandybennett at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and, uh, and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless.